Welcome to Flourish. I'm Diane Planadan, and you're in the right place if you're ready to create an inspired life. And we do so by working on our own personal development. So we can be strong role models for those we love and mentor. Today is still week five of chapter 27 on my journey through Psychology 100 at Queen's University. And I'm sharing this course with you because it's open courseware. It actually is accessible online to read. But I thought I like to use all my cognitive abilities to, to learn. So I'm sharing it. And chapter 27 is accuracy and inaccuracy in perception. So let's get started. All right, let's start with the learning objectives, inaccuracy and inaccuracy in perception. Describe how sensation and perception work together through sensory interaction, selective attention, sensory adaptation, and perceptual constancy. Give examples of how our expectations may influence our perception, resulting in illusions and potentially inaccurate judgments. So keep those two learning objectives in the back of your mind as we are going through this particular topic. And maybe, you know, take some notes, um, put it in a notebook, just write things down as you go. So here we go. The eyes, ears, nose, tongue, and skin sense the world around us, and in some cases perform preliminary information processing on the incoming data. But by and large, we do not experience sensation. We experience the outcome of perception, the total package that the brain puts together from the pieces it receives through our senses and that the brain creates for us to experience. When we look out the window at a view, or the countryside, or when we look at the face of a good friend. We don't just see a jumble of colors and shapes. We see instead an image of a countryside or an image of a friend. How perceptual system interprets the environment. This meaning making involves the automatic operation of a variety of essential perceptual processes. One of these is sensory interaction the working together of different senses to create experience. Sensory interaction is evolved, involved when taste, smell, and texture combine to create the flavor we experience in food. It is also involved when we enjoy a movie because of the way the images and the music work together. Although you might think that we understand speech only through our sense of hearing, it turns out that a visual aspect of speech is also important. One example of sensory interaction is shown in the McGurk effect, an error in perception that occurs when we misperceive sounds because the audio and visual parts of the speech are mismatched. You can witness the effect yourself, the McGurk effect. I will share a link on the show notes on the McGurk effect to watch it separately. Uh, it is an error in sound perception that occurs when there is a mismatch between the senses of hearing and seeing. Other examples of sensory interaction include the experience of nausea that can occur when the sensory information being received from the eyes and the body does not match information from the vestibular system. And synthesia, an experience in which one sensation, hearing a sound, creates experiences in another, vision. Most people do not experience synthesia, but those who do link their perceptions in unusual ways. For instance, by experiencing color when they taste a particular food, or by hearing sounds when they see certain objects. 
Another important perceptual process is selective attention, the ability to focus on some sensory inputs while tuning out others. We're going to also add a link to view the video clip selective attention in the show notes. And you can count how many number of times people in white playing with the ball pass it to each other. You may find that like many other people who view it for the first time, you miss something important because you selectively attend to only one aspect of the video. So that's another video I'm going to include. Selective attention also allows us to focus on a single talker at a party while ignoring other conversations that are occurring around us. Without this automatic selective attention, we'd be unable to focus on the single conversation we want to hear. But selective attention is not complete. We also at the same time monitor what's happening in the channels we are not focusing on. Perhaps you have had the experience of being at a party and talking to someone in part of the room when suddenly you hear your name being mentioned by someone in another part of the room. This cocktail party phenomenon shows us that although selective attention is limiting what we process, we are there nevertheless simultaneously doing a lot of unconscious monitoring of the world around us. You didn't know you were attending to the background sounds of the party, but evidently you were. The second fundamental process of reception is sensory adaptation a decreased sensitivity to a stimulus after prolonged and constant exposure. When you step into a swimming pool, the water initially feels cold, but after a while you stop noticing it. After prolonged exposure to the same stimulus, our sensitivity toward it diminishes and we no longer perceive it. The ability to adapt to the things that don't change around us is essential to our survival as it leaves our sensory receptors free to detect the important and informative changes in our environment and to respond accordingly. We ignore the sounds that our car makes every day, which leaves us free to pay attention to the sounds that are different from normal and thus likely to need our attention. Our sensory receptors are alert to novelty and are fatigued after constant exposure to the same stimulus. If sensory adaptation occurs with all senses, why doesn't an image fade away after we stare at it for a period of time? The answer is that although we are not aware of it, our eyes are constantly flitting from one angle to the next, making thousands of tiny movements called saccades every minute. This constant eye movement guarantees that the image we are viewing always falls on fresh receptor cells, what would happen if we could stop the movement of our eyes? Psychologists have devised a way of testing the sensory adaptation of the eye by attaching an instrument that ensures a constant image is maintained on the eye's inner surface. Participants are fitted with a contact lens that has a miniature slide projector attached to it. Because the projector follows the exact movements of the eye, the same image is always projected, stimulating the same spot on the retina. Within a few seconds, interesting things begin to happen. The image will begin to vanish, then reappear, only to disappear again, either in pieces or as a whole. Even the eye experiences sensory adaptation. One of the major problems in perception is to ensure that we can always perceive the same object in the same way, even when the sensation it creates on our receptors change dramatically. 
The ability to perceive a stimulus as constant despite changes in sensation is known as perceptual constancy. Consider our image of a door as it swings. When it is closed, we see it as rectangular, but when it is open, we only see its edge and it appears as a line. But we never perceive the door as changing shape as it swings. Perceptual mechanisms take care of the problem for us by allowing us to see a constant shape. The visual system also corrects for color constancy. Imagine that you are wearing blue jeans and a bright white t-shirt. When you're outdoors, both colors will be at their brightest, but you will still perceive the white t-shirt is bright and the blue jeans is darker. When you go indoors, the light shining on the clothes will be significantly dimmer, but you will still perceive the t-shirt is bright. This is because we put colors in context and see that compared with its surroundings, the white t-shirt reflects the most light. In the same way, a green leaf on a cloudy day may reflect the same wavelength of light as a brown tree branch does on a sunny day. Nevertheless, we still perceive the leaf as green and the branch as brown. Illusions is next. Although our perception is very accurate, it is not perfect. Illusions occur when the perceptual process that normally helps us correctly perceive the world around us are fooled by a particular situation so that we see something that does not exist or that is incorrect. Yes, we can fool our eyes, can't we? Another well-known illusion is the Mueller liar illusion, where you take a couple of lines and you have one closer and one further apart, and one line looks longer than the other, but they're actually the same length. So uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see a good example of that. The moon illusion refers to the fact that the moon is perceived to be about 50% larger when it is near the horizon than when it is seen overhead, despite the fact that in both cases, the moon is the same size and casts the same retinal image. The monocular depth cues of position and aerial perceptions create the illusion that things are lower and more hazy or farther away. The skyline of the horizon also gives a cue that the moon is far away compared to when it's at its zenith. If we look at a horizon move through a tube of <laughs> rolled up paper, taking away the surrounding horizon cues, the moon will immediately appear smaller. Next is the Ponzo illusion, which operates on the same principle. As you can see, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, the Ponzo illusion, the top yellow bar, seems longer than the bottom one. But if you measure them, you'll see they're exactly the same length. The monocular depth cue of linear perspectives leads us to believe that given two similar objects, the distant one can only cast the same size retinal image as the closer object if it is larger. The topmost bar, therefore, appears longer. So if that depth perception is also an optical illusion. <laughs> Illusions demonstrate that our perception of the world around us may be influenced by our prior knowledge, but the fact that some illusions exist in some cases do not, does not mean that the perceptual system is generally inaccurate. In fact, humans normally become so closely in touch with their environment that the physical body and the particular environment that we sense and perceive become embodied, that is built into or linked with our cognition. 
such that the world around us becomes part of our brain. The close relationship between people and their environments mean that although illusions can be created in the lab and under some unique situations, they be, may be less common with active observers in the real world. Now we're gonna move on to the important roles of expectations in perceptions. Our emotions, mindset, expectations, and the context in which our sensations occur all have profound influence on perception. People who are warned that they are about to taste something bad rate what they do taste more negatively than people who are told that the, ta the taste won't be so bad. And people perceive a child and adult pair as looking more alike when they are told that they are a parent and child. Similarly, participants who see images of the same baby rated as stronger and bigger when they are told it is a boy as opposed to when they are told it's a girl. And research participants who learn that a child is from a lower class background perceive the child's scores on an intelligent test as lower than people who see the same test taken by a child they are told is from an upper class background. Research has found that wines were rated more positively and caused greater brain activity in brain areas associated with pleasure when they were said to cost more than when they were said to cost less. And even experts can be fooled. Professional referees tended to assign more penalty cards to soccer teams for videotaped fouls when they were told that the team had a history of aggressive behavior than when they had no such expectations. Yeah, preconceived notions, right? Our perceptions are also influenced by our desires and motivations. When we are hungry, food-related words tend to grab our attention more than non-food-related words. We perceive objects that we can reach as bigger than those we cannot reach. And people who favor a political candidate's policies view the candidate's skin color more positively than do those who oppose the candidate's policy. Even our culture influences perception. Research has shown American and Asian graduate students different images, such as an airplane, an animal, or a train against complex background. They found that, consistent with their overall individualistic orientation, that the American students tended to focus more on the foreground image while Asian students, also consistent with their orientation, paid more attention to the image's context. Furthermore, Asian American students focused more or less on the context depending on whether their Asian or American identity had been activated. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. Psychology and everyday life, how understanding sensation and perception can save lives. Human factors in the field of psychology that uses psychological knowledge, including the principles of sensation and perception to improve the development of technology. Human factors has worked on a variety of projects ranging from nuclear reactor control centers and airplane cockpits to cell phones and websites. For instance, modern television and computer monitors were developed on the basis of the trichromatic color theory using three color elements placed closely enough together that the colors are blended by the eye. Knowledge of the visual system 
also helped engineers create new kinds of displays, such as those used on notebook computers and music players, and better understand how using cell phones while driving may contribute to automobile accidents. Human factor also has made substantial contributions to airline safety. About two thirds of accidents on commercial airplane flights are caused by human error. During takeoff, travel, and landing, the pilot simultaneously communicates with ground control, maneuvers the plane, scans the horizon for other aircraft, and operates control. The need for a usable interface that works easily and naturally with the pilot's visual perception is essential. Psychologist Conrad Kraft hypothesized that as planes land with no other distant cues visible, pilots may be subjected to a type of moon illusion in which the city lights beyond the runway appear much larger on the retina than they really are, deceiving the pilot into landing too early. Kraft's finding caused airlines to institute new flight safety measures where co-pilots must call out the altitude progressively during the descent which has probably decreased the number of landing accidents. Yeah, it's nice to have a co-pilot, isn't it? So airplane cockpits have gotten a lot more user-friendly as a result. One important aspect of the redesign of these cockpits was based on the principles of sensory adaptation. Displays that are easy to see in the dark conditions quickly become unreadable when the sun shines directly on them. It takes the pilot a relatively long time to adapt to the suddenly much brighter displays. Furthermore, perceptual contrast is important. The display cannot be so bright at night that the pilot is unable to see targets in the sky or on the land. Human factor psychologists use these principles to determine the appropriate stimulus intensely needed on these displays so that pilots would be able to read them accurately and quickly under a wide range of conditions. The psychologists accomplished this by developing an automatic control mechanism that senses the ambient light visible through the front cockpit windows and detects the light falling on the display surface and it automatically adjusts the intensity of the display for the pilot. Yeah, I like that. So they have some key takeaways from this chapter. Sensory interaction occurs when different senses work together. For instance, when taste, smell, and touch together produce the flavor of food. Selective attention allows us to focus on some sensory experiences while tuning out others. Sensory adaptation occurs when we become less sensitive to some aspects of our environment, freeing us to focus on more important changes. Perceptual constancy allows us to perceive an object as the same, despite changes in sensation. Cognitive illusions are examples of how our expectations can influence our perception. Our emotions, motivations, desires, and even our culture can influence our perceptions. Well, that was a fascinating chapter indeed. And what I loved most about it is there's this saying in North America that perception is reality. And I think now, mm, it's not. It's in each individual and their own perception. I hope you enjoyed this chapter. Might have to digest it a little bit. The next episode is going to go over some of the terminology as a bonus episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss it. I'm Diane Planadan, wishing you to live a more inspired life.